0: Fifteen minutes or an hour—we don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You might make it early to lunch today. You have to bear with me. I'm coasting on a cool hour and a half of sleep because we're taking seventy kids to the beach or seventy people to the beach tomorrow morning. Um, And I've been—I've been up all night making sure that's going well. So, um, good news is I'm not driving, so don't worry about that. but I'm so excited this morning to be able to share with you what God has put on my heart. Um, and it's so topical, um, just, just our worship service uh, today. I couldn't, I couldn't pick a better song to, to, to close out our, uh, our morning worship than It Is Well. Um, such a great hymn of praise. This morning we're going to be talking about worship. That's a real personal topic for me. I've, I've always been involved in worship ministry. I love worship ministry. It's something very close and dear to my heart. Um, and, and I love uh, talking about worship. And so I want to look a little bit into what worship is um, and what our role is in worship, what what we are called to do, and then look forward to what our role will be in heaven and, and kind of see what revelation clo- clues us into what our future is for eternity. Because worship has a lot to do with it. I don't know if you knew that or not, but it's that's the case. So um, this morning... I want to. Uh, I want to ask you, and, and I'm used to talking to a bunch of kids, so we we have a lot of discussion. So it's very participatory this morning. Uh, when you think about worship, what's what's the first thing that pops into your mind? Someone say music, singing. Right singing. I like that. That's good. Um, yeah, music. Right. I think that's. I think that's pretty fair. You um, can. You could. You could say the the right answer and and say you know it's a it's a heart position you know and all that but I think most of us think of music first right um I know that most of my life when when I thought of worship I just thought it was the the singing part of church right and I think that's kind of how we uh, can think about it sometimes uh we'll we'll say uh worship was good today I was a worship leader for years and 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 people would say all the time worship was good today and I'd be like oh that's good you know um, but really they mean that the band didn't screw up. Um, and so, uh, but, but I do think it is important to, to realize that there is a musical dynamic to worship. I think that God desires us to, to worship him with music. Um, in Psalms 150 verse 4, it says, praise him with timbrel and dancing. Uh, God desires us to, to use our talents, our gifts, to use musical instruments, um, to lift our voices and worship him in a musical way. So yes, worship is music, but it's more than that. It's so much more than that. It's it's a layered act that we we have, and, and it's an expression of our relationship with God. So I want to start off um, this morning in the book of Genesis. I don't know what you're thinking. We're ending in Revelation, so this is this is uh, it's going to be a, a wild ride. But we're starting in Genesis chapter 22 this morning. <clears throat> we're going to be reading starting in verse. We're going to start in verse. Um, we're going to start in verse nine, um, and this might look familiar to you. Uh, this is the story of Abraham's willingness to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar, his God promised son. And I think this is interesting. It's it's a beautiful picture of, of of God's provision of a sacrifice for us, right? And when God provides a ram for us, and it's a it's a picture of Jesus Christ as a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. Thousands of years years later on Calvary when Jesus took our sins upon himself. But interestingly enough, and I did not realize this until just a few weeks ago, this is the first passage in the Bible that mentions the word worship. Um, And I think that's important. I think that's fascinating. And I I want to take a look at it together. So starting in verse 9, it says, When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there, and he laid the work. Laid the wood in order and bound Isaac and his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called him, called to him from heaven and said, "Abraham, Abraham!" And he said, "Here I am." He said, "Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me." And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold. Behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt, a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. That's such a picture of Jesus, right? That that provisional sacrifice that that God brought um, through Jesus coming to earth and living and dying for us. But before before we... Before it gets to that part, I want to look in, in verse 5. It says, Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I with the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. This is the first time we see the word worship used in the Bible. And I think there's some significance to that. You see, this story about Abraham offering his son is, is all about sacrifice. And that's what worship is about. Worship is sacrifice. All worship should be a form of sacrifice. And this is what we see here. Abraham's willingness and his faith was a sacrifice. To sacrifice the most important thing to him, his only son. I want to flip over. we skipping a whole bunch here. Skipping over to Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And I want to look at what Paul says about worship. This would be familiar too because Randy's quoted I think every week for the last month or so that I've been here. Um, But Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So we have this picture, these two stories coinciding, these two passages coinciding, telling us what worship is. It's an act of sacrifice. It's more than music. It's more than just a part of church. It's an act. It's a... It's a behavior. It's a action that we take before the Lord. It's more than music. Worship is a lifestyle. You see, when Paul urges us to to take up our crosses daily, that's a that's a daily action. That's a continual action. And the verb used there is is a uh, in, in Greek. I took one semester of Greek. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, but. Um, <laughs> But one thing I do remember is, is the Greek language uses verb tenses that, that are continual um, in, certain, in certain passages. And this is a continual action. We are supposed to take up our crosses daily. We are supposed to present ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God. That is a constant action. What he's talking about there is a lifestyle of sacrifice, a lifestyle of worship. This is our good and true and proper worship it is our act of bowing down in order to exalt something else up. It's stepping out of the equation to let God step in and work in and through your life. That was the case with Abraham, right? He, he, he went forward and, and put his faith fully in God. He, he, didn't, he didn't ask questions. I'm sure he had them. But he just went and he worshipped God through his faith. The Bible says that, that Abraham was counted righteous because of his faith. That is what worship looks like. Now, does that mean I'm asking you to go home and, and, and take your most prized possession and, and, and throw it away uh, to prove a point? No, that's not what it's about, right? We're not saved by the things we do. We're not earning our salvation, but rather when we surrender ourselves to the Lord... We, we give those things to him right it's not about the act of destroying something or or giving something away or, or or ruining something it's it's the act of surrendering it before God so that he can use it for his good pleasure I think about I think about Samuel the boy Samuel in um, the story of his mom and, and how she desperately wanted a son and and how she prayed and prayed and and she made a a vow to the Lord that she would surrender that, that child. If, if God gave her a child, he'd sur- she, should, she would surrender it to, to the ministry, and, and she did. And in that faithfulness, giving up um, what we love to the pleasure of God so that he can do mighty things with it. Worship is all about the position of our heart. It's all about that surrendering posture. It's, it's about stepping back and letting God take control of your life. Now, I think that you can do that in any aspect of your life. I think that, obviously, um, you can do that with music, right? You can do that with uh, musical instruments. You can do that with your voice. But I think that you can do that uh, with a career. I think you can do that with your job. Whatever you, whatever you desire to do, whatever God puts in your uh, life as your calling, I, I think you can glorify God and worship Him just as well as an accountant as you can as a worship leader. Um, I do believe that. I believe that God calls all of us to worship Him through the appointed office that we're in. My mom used to always uh, say to me that, that she would be proud of me no matter what I did. Um, if, if I ended up working a minimum wage job, um, that would be fine as long as, um, or, or something super important, um, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. Uh, if, it didn't matter what I did. If I did it for the glory of God, she'd be proud of me, right? And, and, and I love that. Uh, so I kind of, kind of did both. Chose, chose ministry, which is important in minimum wage. So, um, just kidding. Don't tell Rainy I said that. Um, <laughs> but seriously, I, I do believe that God can use you in whatever circumstance you're in, whether that be a career, whether that be a hobby. Um, I can't tell you how many times God's opened doors through, through. Hobbies like skateboarding—it's—it's um, it's something that me and, and my buddy Ricky, who's, who's visiting here with us this morning, uh, we do together, and and the opportunities that arise from just being down there in in a park or in a neighborhood—that's—that's um, that's not so great, and being around these kids who who are around these other influences—it's—it's um, it's so crazy. You wouldn't even think that they would be receptive, but it's some of the most receptive hearts that I've ever ever had the the opportunity to witness to. Um, You see, God can use anything in your life to bring glory to himself. And he desires that. And and the way we can do that is by surrendering and offering it up as worship to God. God desires to use every part of our life for his glory. So why do we worship? Moving on, why why do we worship? Uh, Well, the easy answer is because God's holy, right? Right? He deserves it. Um, but something that's fascinated me, uh, when I when I think about the concept of worship, is, is that we're created to worship. God has created us with the innate desire to worship. We all worship something. And you don't have to be a part of a religion to, to worship. Everybody worships something. Um, I mean, how many of you guys are, are football fans? We're sports fans of any type, right? That's most, most everyone. Um, I don't care how... Uh, <laughs> how conservative you are of a church that you go to or whatever. I've seen some little Southern Baptist churches get pretty charismatic on Super Bowl Sunday. It's just how it goes. Um, and, and it's something interesting to me. And it's, it's it's funny to think about it that way, but it really truly is such a picture of worship. When you have a, a stadium packed full with people, hundreds of thousands of people that, that are there cheering on their team, right? And, and and when something goes right, there's the the cheer, right? It's deafening. And it's crazy, and it's such a natural picture of worship that that's just a part of our culture. Now, I think it's misplaced, uh, no matter what team you're cheering for. Um, I think it's misplaced, right, because it's not bringing glory to God, but it's nevertheless a picture of what worship is. Um, I, I think some of us may uh, feel the same way about bands. I know that's a big one for me. I love going... Um, and here in bands, uh, Masson took me to see one of my favorite guitarists a couple of years ago. And, uh, man, that was so loud. I thought I was going to be deaf for about two weeks afterwards. My ears were ringing. Um, and I don't know if that was because of his amplifiers or because I was loud. I was screaming. I was like a little fangirl. But um, we all worship something. I can't tell you how many times a day, I, and I mean a day, okay, on social media, I see our middle school girls post something about a celebrity, their celebrity crush or whatever, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the fifth time today. Um, But we all worship something. We all have something in our lives that we worship. It doesn't matter if you're a religious person or not. We all worship something. Why is that? Well, it's because you and I are created to worship. God created us with the desire to worship. Secondly, God desires us to worship, and that's mind-blowing to me. God desires something from us, us, sinners, right? We're not deserving of anything. We can't do anything right apart from Jesus, right? But God desires worship from us, and that blows my mind. Listen to what Isaiah says in chapter 43, verses 19 and 21. It says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they might proclaim my praise. We are formed with the purpose. We are created to glorify God through worship. So why? Why would the Holy God of the universe who has it all right? He has everything he created everything he's all powerful he knows everything he he he's literally the most supreme being. Why would he want something from us what we have to possibly offer him that he could want It's an interesting concept and and it's not it's it's something I think some people you know get confused and they think you know that it's like well does God need to pick me up? does he need to be reminded of who he is, you know, is, is, it, is, it, is it an ego boost thing? No, that's not it at all, right? God knows exactly who he is. Um, it's all throughout scripture. We see uh, who God is. He's recorded who he is. The reason why God desires worship from you and me is so incredible and intimate. It's because he loves us. He loves us. We are his children and he loves us and he loves to hear from us. Mass and I don't have kids yet, um, but we are excited, looking forward to the days that, that we will have a child that will bring us some horrible painting, and, and we'll be like, wow, is that a horse? And they'll be like, no, that's a car. And we'll be like, okay, that goes on the fridge, you know? Um, or, or when we get those styrofoam ornaments, the styrofoam plate ornaments, you know, with the little reindeer, you know, uh, or the the turkey hand cutout out where Thanksgiving crafts, you know, all of that stuff. We look forward to that knowing that they will be so special to us, right? As a parent, they're special, right? To anyone else, they're just garbage. But, um, but as a parent, there's that special connection. Because why? Because your child brought that to you. They created it for you because they love you. And they want you to be proud of them. God wants us to worship because he loves us. It's that picture of a father Receiving something from a child. He desires that from us. Not to prove anything. Not because he forgets who he is. He's, I don't know if you know this, but God isn't surprised by anything in the world. He's not shaken by anything in this world. He simply desires our worship because he loves us. And he is worthy of our praise. That's the, that's the crazy, mind-blowing thing about the gospel is that we have nothing to offer, God. We have nothing. We have no hope of keeping up with the accordances of the law, right? But, but Jesus comes and he takes our place so that, that we can know God, the veil is torn, that we can have this relationship with God, that we can be called sons and daughters of the one true God. And if that doesn't make you want to worship, then I don't know what to tell you because that's the best news you'll ever hear. That's the good news. That is the gospel, that God would adopt us as his own. I love that. I love that God desires us to praise him because he loves us. So now that we've defined, kind of set a, a rough definition of what worship is and, and we've kind of looked at some reasons why we worship, uh, I think it's important to understand how we are to worship um, because I think there's some specific things that scripture lines up for us to do. Um, we probably all are familiar with, with John 4.23 that says that we are to worship in spirit and truth, right? Um, but what does that mean? Do we, do we take that at face value or do we... Do we Actually, get into what that means, because I mean, I've just kind of read over that in times past. Um, I've I've just kind of glazed over it. But in in the last few weeks, just looking at it, um, I think there's a, a deeper meaning to it. I think there's a significance to each word, spirit, and in truth. From what I've researched in different consort, uh, concordances and, and translations and things like that, there's basically, uh, and I'm sure there's more than this, but two schools of thought that I've found um, about. What worshiping in spirit looks like. Uh, the first suggests that worship is to come from the heart or be personal. Um, and, and when uh, Jesus used the, the word spirit here, it's, it's referring to your spirits. It's, it's supposed to be your spirit um, worshiping and glorifying God. Um, in that, it's 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 capitalizing. It's it's trying to highlight the personal uh, aspect of worship that we aren't merely just meant to follow other people's patterns or, or recite things that other people have written, but it's supposed to be personal, something within us, a desire that comes from within uh, as, a, as a, a, a byproduct of reading his word. It, it comes about naturally from us, and it's a personal thing. The other thought is that Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit here, as Paul does in Philippians 3.3, 3, which says, "...worship by the Spirit of God in glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh." And all honestly, I think I think it's a little bit of both. I know that God desires our individual worship, um, and I know that He He desires uh, for us to uh, our praises to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. Um, and I think it's it's a marriage of both of those things that 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 come together, and that's what worshiping in spirit means. And then worshiping in truth, I think that's relatively simple that that our worship should conform to what we see written in Scripture. If we're ever singing something that doesn't line up with what Scripture says. If we're we're taking kind of an artistic license in, in worship, I'd be really hesitant to sing it. Um, because the Bible says it. I mean, we're supposed to worship in truth. And uh, and we got everything we need right here. <laughs> God didn't need our help writing it. Otherwise, he would ask us. Um, but that's been done. And it's perfect. And, and we're not supposed to add to it. And so we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth. Worshiping God in the way... He desires to be worship. Like I said before, um, worship is supposed to be a personal thing. I, I really do believe that. Uh, that there is a, a very valuable sense of having an individual worship experience with God. And remember, this isn't just just music. So that doesn't mean you just have to, you know, uh, go singing in your, in your bathroom when you're taking a shower or whatever. I think it's great if you do or not. But um, it's... Individual praise is all about that personal relationship with we, we have with the Lord. And I think that comes out a lot of different ways. I think that comes out through our time that we spend in the Word of God. That's how God speaks to us, right? I think that's the time that we spend praying to God. That's us expressing our heart's desires to, to the Lord, right? It's that personal aspect of... That's, that's where the relationship comes in, right? It's the personal side of things. It's, it's where we, we really bring our hearts to the Lord and let Him shape our hearts. I think... One of the best people in the Bible who, who give an example of this is, is David. Uh, just the whole book of Psalms, reading that, it's, it's, it's like reading into someone's personal prayer diary because that's what it is, right? And, and, and they were meant to be sung, right? It was like their hymn book, but you can just see David's heart so well as, as, as you trace through Psalms and his life and the things that he was going through. Listen to Psalms 25, uh, verses 4 and 5. It says, Show me your ways, Lord, teach me your paths guide me in your truth and teach me for you are my god my savior and my hope is in you all day long that's so personal right it's it's such a cry of worship that's that's unique to him and and yeah we can read it and we can agree with it in our spirit right but there's something to be said about having a relationship with god that that's individual that, that we worship Him individually in our own time, that we have time on a daily basis that we spend in His word in prayer, worshiping God on our own. I think God also desires us to worship individually because he desires us to be genuine um, it's easy to to lip sync in church, right um, I did it for years, uh, got really good at it um, but it's it's another thing when we're by ourselves, right it's it's one on one it's very. Very serious. Not that corporate worship is not serious, but it's, it's got to be intentional, right? Um, it's easy to to, to to mouth the words of songs or to, to sing along to songs that we've sung hundreds of thousands of times and, and just stand and, and do what everybody else is doing, right? Um, I think about when I was younger, uh, when we'd be on church trips, and you, you start getting that uh, hand-raising competition going, you know, and, and someone starts, you know, feeling it. It's like Wednesday night, you know, everybody's feeling really spiritual, and, and the hands start to go up, and then, you know, you're like, oh, She's, she's raising her hands higher. You know, you, you do this motion, you know, finally you go full roller coaster and um, things really go crazy. But um, worshiping individually takes that out of the equation. Um, how many of you, and, and this is pretty invasive, so I guess you don't have to answer. Um, but how many of you guys struggled with virtual worship when we were, we were in our homes? Because I did. I 100% did. We'd be sitting on the couch with our little iced coffee, and, you know, a little egg sandwich, and sitting there, and and Madison would be singing and stuff, and I'd just be like, you know, like, it was weird, you know, And, and I was a worship leader for years, and it was the weirdest thing for me, and it's so strange, but, you know, what I learned in that time is, is that I had gotten so comfortable in my environment that it was less about the act of worship, and it was more about my comfort zone, you know? Um, but God loves to break us out of our comfort zones. I think that's a great way to do it, is When we worship by ourselves, when we worship individually, that takes that out of the equation. It says it's, 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 it's us being intentional and it's us putting the focus purely on God. Nothing around us but on the Lord. Listen to what it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Guys, you can have the most beautiful singing voice, you can um, be the most talented guitar player, keyboardist, whatever, um, but here's the deal, if your heart is not worshiping, then it's meaningless, right? Might have everybody else fooled, I did for a long time um, when, when I was younger, um, but if it's not about God, if you don't make it about God, then it's worthless, Our worship should be for the sole purpose of glorifying God, our Father, and not for others to see. Consider 1 Corinthians 10.31, which says, So whatever you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Paul urges us to live our lives as individual testaments to God's glory. God desires us to worship Him individually. Moving on, we are also meant to worship corporately. Um, it's, it's a balance of things. So it doesn't mean that we're just supposed to worship individually, right? I think it's very important to have that relationship with God. So where we do worship in our, in our own way, and it's very personal and intimate, and it's just us and the Lord, but it's very important to worship corporately. The purpose of these passages that we read before is merely to remind us that we have a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord um, and that we are to worship Him for the sole purpose of bringing Him glory. However, the church is so important. The church is the bride of Christ. If we abandon corporate worship, then we are rejecting God's will for us to be a part of the church. Listen to what Colossians 3.16 says. It says, Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Sounds like church to me. God desires us to worship Him collectively because He loves the church, God loves the church. The church is a major part of His plan. It's His bride. It's His. It's His. It's the body of Christ on earth in order to bring glory to Himself. Right? There's something special about worshiping corporately with others. Um, and and I know it's 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 weird in this day and age. Uh, there's just so many factors going on with with COVID and and, and other things. Um, but I want to say if, if if you're watching. Um, virtually, and, and you haven't um, started coming back to church, I want to invite you to come back, because I think it's good. I think it's what God intends. And I know that there's some that, that have health uh, concerns. My, my my sister is one of those, and so I get it. Um, and I'm not I'm not saying ignore that. But I would encourage you, if, if you've gotten comfortable on the couch, um, like I was, uh, I would encourage you to come back, because the church needs you, and you need the church. Um, so there's that little plug. Um, God desires us to worship Him individually, but He also desires us to worship Him corporately. The, the church is just able to, to accomplish so much when we work together. It's so cool. And, and I love serving in a church that that, that works together in such a way to, to love others practically through things like help group, through eternal bread, through missions trips. Um, I love it. And, and if we abandon corporate worship, if we abandon the, the body of Christ, if we abandon the church, then we will not be able to love in the same capacity as we would if we work together. So this brings us to to revelation to our future. So we've looked at, at what worship is and, and how we're supposed to worship and why we worship. But I want to spend some time looking forward to, to to revelations to see what our future is in worship because worship is is our is our purpose, right? It's it's very central to our our being. It's our it's the core of who we are. We are made we are beings of worship we're made we were created to worship the lord and so um when we get to heaven that's what we're going to do and so i want to take a look at some passages together at what it's going to look like um the first thing i want to address is is that uh the one of the we look at some themes in revelation concerning worship is the holiness and greatness of god um there's no shocker there right uh that's why we worship God in the first place, is, is His holiness and greatness. Um, so I want to read for you uh, Revelations 4, 8 through 11. Um, and I just want you to hear this um, and be encouraged to know that this is what we have in our, in our future. So in verse 8 it says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For You have created all things, and by Your will they were created and have their being. I think that's such a cool picture, you know? Just to think of the throne room... In heaven, and to think of God and all of his glory and majesty and, and all of those gathered around him to bring him praise and, and, and for things to just be wrapped up in, in the way where we will be with God our Father and, and be able to witness his glory in person. Whenever I, I, I hear this verse or I read this verse, I think of, uh, of growing up. Um, my, dad, uh, my dad loved the song uh, Agnus Dei. Uh, it's the, um, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, worthy is the Lamb, worthy is the Lamb. Um, I hope no one was recording that, it's copyrighted, um, but you're welcome. Uh, anyway, that song, my dad loved it, and every time I read this I think of it, because he would be out mowing the grass, and even over the lawnmower I could hear his headphones um, blaring that song, and and he would sing it almost on key, just real close, but not quite, and um, but I just think about that, and, and for him, like, that was his worship, you know, and, and to see him, like, just, you know, banging on the lawnmower, and, and you know, and that, that energy, and, and that's going to be you and me in heaven, we're going to have that energy, we're going to be so excited to sing praises to the Lord, it's just going to be electric, it's going to be an awesome moment when we're in the glory of God, in the throne room, offering him praise. Next, um, I think another important theme that we see in Revelation is, is the content of our praises, what we're going to be saying, things that we're going to be doing. Um, so I want to read Revelations 5, 9 through 14. Um, I'm sorry, 13 and 14. Let's just read 13 and 14. It says, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise, honor, glory, and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down in worship. Again, a picture of everything. And I I love that it highlights that, that that it, it, it goes through length to to highlight that. Everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, everything, everything is going to bring glory to God. I don't know if you've been to a, a big conference before um I know that uh, some, of, some of you might have been to, to Passion. Um, I've been once, and, and it's, it's really crazy. I'm not one for conferences. I don't like crowds. It might be because I was homeschooled. I don't know. Um, uh, that was a joke. There's nothing wrong with being homeschooled. Um, but, but, but being in a conference, there's something to be said about it, about being in a, in a room with, with everybody in agreement, praising the Lord God. I think that's, that's just a fraction of, of what it's going to look like in heaven when we're when we're with God in His presence and we're all worshiping in Him, and I love that idea of all of us in unity, bringing glory to God. It's just going to be such a powerful moment. Um, next, we're going to see uh, what heavenly worship will look like, uh, and, and I want to read Revelation chapter seven, nine through twelve. It says, after this, I looked out, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. From every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches in their hands. And they crowd out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And that's just going to be so awesome. Again, highlighting everybody together. And, and, and that's something that's just really hit me this year. Is, is we live in a world that's torn apart. Um, I, I know. I mean, I'm not very old, but I've never, I've never seen people so divided in my lifetime, anyway. And and it's, it breaks my heart. You know, it, it's it's hard. You see people that you normally would be close with or you you have a relationship with torn apart because of of, of views on COVID, on on politics, on, on on different things. And and we see we live in a very broken and sinful world. Um, but to think of this great multitude from every nation, tribe. People and language—that's everyone. That's unity. That's—that's what—that's what uh, what we have to look forward to—is—is everybody in harmony together? And I'm ready for that. I'm I'm ready to see that um, to be able to to love everyone. That we'd accept everyone, no matter what they look like, um, no matter what they speak, what language they speak, from every tribe and tongue, we will worship God together in spirit and truth. I look forward to that day where, where we have unity. Um, next, I think uh, it's important to highlight the justice of God. Uh, how often do you praise God for His justice? Um, we're quick to, to praise Him on mercy and grace and stuff as we should be, but uh, we also should glorify Him for His justice. He is a just God and that 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 is an uh, unchangeable characteristic of who God is. He is just. So in Revelation chapter 16, Verses 5 and 6, it says, Then I heard the angel in charge of the water say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were. For they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. Now, that's pretty harsh. That's really harsh. And you might wonder why I threw that one in there. Um, But I think it's important. I think it's important as we look forward into Revelation to, to realize that. This is a time, this is going to be an incredible time of, of unity and, and the, the people of God coming together um, and, and glorifying God. But there's going to be justice on that day. And what that tells me is it motivates me to go and tell others about God's goodness, right? There's an, almost an evangelical twist on that, um, that, that there's going to be judgment that day. And there will be people that will not experience all that we talked about before, the glory of God. And they'll be lost forever forever. And so that motivates me as, as, as a believer to, to let my reasonable act of worship, to let my body be as a living sacrifice for part of that to be go and tell others about him so that they're not a part of this judgment, right? That they stand justified before God through Jesus Christ. God desires to draw all men to him. Not all will accept him, but he desires that all men hear um, the gospel. And, and you and I have a job to do. Uh, before that day, uh, we, we got work to do, and so I just want us to, to be motivated um, to do just that, to, to praise God for his justice, um, and to, to have the mindset of someone who, who has compassion on those who have not accepted or heard. Then finally, um, and I think this is just a really special passage, uh, Revelation tells us of our ultimate fulfillment of our purpose, which we talked about was to, to worship. Right, We are created to worship. So listen to what it says in Revelations chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. For His judgments are true and just. For He has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality... And has avenged on her the blood of his servants. Once more they cried out, Hallelujah. The smoke from her goes up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God, who was seated on the throne and saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Then from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. And here's where where it just really gets awesome. In verse 6 it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, In the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt, and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteousness in the deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true... Words of God. Man, that's so cool to know that, that you and I as children of God are part of this marriage feast. We have a seat at the table of God in heaven. What a privilege it is to know that, that not only do we have the ha- hope of heaven, but we get to participate in this celebration, this, this marriage celebration, this feast for the Lamb, for Jesus and His bride we get to be a part of this, and this is our reward for living our lives as as a surrender to God, living our lives as living sacrifices. We get the seat at the marriage feast of Jesus Christ now we we've gone through a lot of different stuff, and we 've literally jumped from cover to cover of the bible um, and that's that's a lot and and I hope that it wasn't too too uh, too rushed. I tend to talk fast and, and i 'm sorry about that, but what I hope that that you caught, if you caught anything is is that one, Jesus loves you and, and he wants a relationship with you, and he desires you to worship him because he loves you and he desires to know you. Now maybe maybe this is familiar, maybe you've heard this a million times. That's okay If, if this is something that you you hear on a regular basis, I want you to. Take joy in knowing that this is for you. This promise that we have in Revelation that that you have a seat at the the table of of the marriage feast of Jesus Christ. You have that to look forward to. Take hope in that. Take joy in that, knowing that that you. This is for you. This is your promise. Maybe this is new to you. Maybe this all sounds super weird and 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 you don't understand it. Um, if that's the case, then great. That's that's good too. Um, I would I would love to to sit down and and, and talk and and I'm not. By, by any means the smartest person on staff, but I would love to, to go and find the answers together um, that you might have. God desires you um, to know him, to have that close, intimate relationship with him uh, as a child with his father so that you can experience true worship and that you can experience the promise that God has for us in the hope of heaven. So as we kind of wrap up, I want to I want to pray and the, and the band will kind of come up. Um, but I want to encourage you uh that God delights in your worship, and so as we sing this last song, I would just invite you to, to really concentrate on that, um, and to really, really let that show through in your life. Um, worship is a lifestyle. We we, we said that worship is a lifestyle. Submit yourselves daily as living sacrifices as your reasonable act of worship. God desires that from you because He's holy, He deserves it, and because He loves you as His children. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your goodness to us that, that you made a way where there was no way, God, that, that we were dead in our sin and in our trespasses, but, but you made a way that your way was Jesus Christ and that he came and, and he lived a perfect life and he died and he rose again. And through that power of his resurrection, we now have the right to become your children. And that means that we can have a close relationship with you, God, that we can have direct access with you, God, we never want to take that for granted, God, and we just glorify you for that. So, God, in this, in this moment, I just ask that each of us would bow our hearts to surrender to your will for your glory and good pleasure, God, that, that you would use us as a living sacrifice for your glory. We love you and we thank you and we worship you for your goodness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.